Welcome to the Gateway.Live podcast. We're so glad you're here. We pray that God speaks to you through this message and through His Word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com. Now let's tune in. This morning I want to ask you a question that I think that is a haunting question, also a defining question for every one of us. And I've heard this come up many times in people's lives. And the question is, why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I at this place called here in my life? And for you, your here may be a great place. You may be at, on the top of the game right now. You may be doing excellent, or it may be the other way that your here is not a place that you want to stay. We have an entire vein of education called anthropology. And anthropology is the educational pursuit and the theology of dealing with the origin, nature, and the destiny of human beings. The questions are asked in anthropology, why are we here and where are we at? But the next question is, am I stuck where I'm at? Am I stuck at this here that I have in my life? Anthropologists spend time, spend money, spend decades trying to figure out how did we get here and I think the question to all of us is, I may know my here, but do I have to stay here? So today's message is, we can't stay here. We can't stay here. Several years ago, while pastoring outside of New York City on Long Island, my wife and I were getting ready to host some deep, deep friends of ours. have been friends for a long, long time. And he and his wife had been in our home, and they'd spoke to our church on many occasions. And so I said, you know what, hon, let's make it, let's make this one exceptional when they come up let's just do something that we've never done before and so it came to our minds let's go to a little enchanted island off of the coast of Rhode Island called Block Island beautiful little island no cars hardly there at all every place you go you walk to and we lived on Long Island so you take the ferry from Long Island to Block Island and we thought, you know what, this is going to be absolutely unforgettable and we did a lot of research online there's the giveaway right there I found this wonderful place called the Samuel Peckham Inn. I mean, it just sounded nice, the Samuel Peckham Inn. The internet pictures looked amazing. And you had to realize that when you take the ferry over and there's really not a lot of vehicles there, you have to be within walking distance of the ferry because you're taking your luggage with you. And so I thought, wow, this is amazing. So my question on top of that question, I'm giving you a little bit of background have you ever ordered anything online and when it got to the house, it wasn't quite the same as what you saw on the picture on the internet? Okay, somebody else. Come on, make me, don't feel, make me feel too bad up here. I mean, I did the research. This was the Samuel Peckham Inn. We walked up and I thought, you know, this does look like the internet pictures. And I thought, this is going to be awesome. This is, this, this is going to be great, hon. I mean, you know, I thought we're scoring big time with our friends here. And got into the foyer and the lady was so nice. And I thought, this, this is going to be great. And, and then all of a sudden she said, I'd like to escort you to your finely appointed rooms up on the second floor. And I thought, oh, we got the better rooms. And we're walking up there. And she said, oh, by the way, you do know that your rooms are not air conditioned. It didn't say that on the internet. She said, plus, your rooms are located in one of our nice areas over there, but to get there, you've got to walk across a hot tar roof. 
And I thought, you're kidding me. I mean, we're going to drag our luggage. and so We're picking up luggage, thinking we can't drag luggage across a hot tar roof. On the way up the stairs to the second floor, I noticed that the pool that I had seen on the Internet was not quite the same pool that was there at the Samuel Peckham Inn because the Samuel Peckham Inn pool was green. You couldn't even get in it. When we got to our room on the second floor, it was definitely lackluster, and I remember in my mind thinking, you've got to be kidding me. This is going to be... In fact, to this day, we still joke about going to Block Island and staying at the Samuel Peckham Inn. So after the lady left us and we closed the doors, I looked at my wife and I said, honey, we, we, we can't stay here. We cannot stay here. And I went over to our friends. I said, look, don't even unpack your luggage. We can't stay here. I said, let me go downstairs and let me see if I can take care of this. So I went downstairs and I said, ma'am, look, um, this is not the same. Uh, and, and honestly, we have some of our best friends with us and uh, we, we can't stay here. And she said, well, uh, the ferry's already left. Okay, we got to stay here one night. I said, ma'am, I can't stay. We had like a three days uh, reservation there. And she says, well, you can't stay here. The next ferry doesn't leave until tomorrow afternoon. And I said, well, we, we can't. We can't stay here. It was so bad that night that when we got up the next morning, I apologized. We apologized over and over, and it got so bad, I looked at him and said, you know what, there's a small airport out here. We're going to charter a plane, and we're going to fly back that little bit of distance because we're not waiting on the ferry. We can't stay here. In fact, while studying for this message, I went online and did a Google search of the Samuel Peckham Inn. Um, it's been torn down. I, I, yes, it deserved to be tore down, honestly. And I thought about all of our lives. How many of you have ever got to a place in life that you said, I, I just can't stay here? I can't stay here. Something defined your life and told you that that was your location and that's where you're going to be. This was going to be your place of life. This was going to be your status, whether it was X or whether you'd lost a business or whether you'd had a bad moment in life or whether you had gone through a, a horrible relationship and someone told you you don't have the capacity to love or maybe someone told you you're never going to accomplish anything in your life. You don't mount anything. And for some reason, the anthropology inside of you said, this is my destination, this is where I'm at, and this is why I'm staying here. But before you go and plant yourself firmly at what you think your here is, I'd like to take all of this back to the genesis of everything. The book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 26. 26. God said, let us make man in our image. I want you to hear this. This is God's destination for us. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God gave us not the Samuel Peckham in. He gave us a pretty sweet here. And he put Adam there in that place and he said, you are made in my image, you are made in my likeness and I'm going to give you dominion and I'm going to give you authority in this place of your here. See, in the beginning, several things that God did for us, I think, permeate even to today, but many times there's a disconnect between the purpose of God and the present reality of where I live now. See, in the beginning, it says that God gave us something. He gave us what I call state. 
He gave us state. We were given his image, we were given his likeness, and we reflected the person of God. God's very breath was breathed into us, and the Bible says man became a living soul. God breathed and gave us a state that had a capacity of holiness and purity. In fact, God offered us the ability to commune directly with him. And the Bible says that Adam used to walk in the cool of the evening and the cool of the day and talk with God. God gave man a state. But in the process of that state, he also didn't give us a short-term lifespan. He gave us an eternal capacity that we possess an eternal spirit. The second thing that God gave us was status. In the beginning, man had a relationship with God, and that relationship was by God's design and by God's purpose to be intimate and have purpose. He said this, I made it, you have authority over it. You have dominion over it. So we had state, we had status, but then we had station. Man was appointed to be in charge, ruler over all the creation of the planet. In other words, he gave us the station that we were in authority, and God made that authority over everything on the earth. If you notice, he said, I'm going to go to the heavens, I'm going to go to the earth, and I'm going to go to the sea. And what I created, you have authority over everything that is in the earth. And so from the beginning, God had a plan for our lives. And that plan was an incredible plan of intimacy and purposefulness. But something changed. Something changes. The here changes much like in our lives, our here has the propensity to change. In the book of Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, even the New Testament talks about this Genesis story. And it says it this way, when Adam sinned something shifted because Adam walked outside of purpose Adam's here changed because it said when Adam sinned sin entered the world Adam's sin brought death and the word death there is separation and removal Adam was removed from his here that God had given to him and given him authority over and death spread to everyone, and that includes you, and that includes me, for everyone, sin. One of the reasons that I love Gateway so much that we don't walk in here, any of us, as if we have any sense of pride that, oh, by the way, you know what, I am better, or I've never done this, or I've never been a part of that. Or, because here's the thing is, the Bible makes it very clear that because of decisions that all of us have made, we've all sinned and removed us from the here of God's original plan. Our state, it was now marred and flawed. In fact, our moral and eternal status changed because of sin. Our status was forfeited. Man's sin separated him and ultimately separated us because in Genesis 2.17, it was made very clear that God said, I gave you dominion, but I'm also going to warn you about something. In 2 and 17, in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. There will be a separation. Station? Oh, we surrendered that. That was given up because man was banned from the Garden of Eden. And all that God had intended for us to have was broken because of a choice. And man couldn't stay there anymore. Our lives were impacted because of that decision. 
Our here was changed because of a choice. Our here. Now you have a, you have a choice to make. Do we stay in that brokenness? Do we stay in that defeated place? Do we stay in that place of sin? Do we stay in that place of separation from God? You see, you have that choice or you can make the choice, we don't have to stay here. We don't have to stay in the fallenness and the brokenness and the place of sin. I can move from that. And I do believe that there are some principles, what I call the secret sauce, that we don't have to stay here anymore. I want to give you two. I believe the first thing that moves the needle and moves my life is the power of God's word. I believe in the authority of God. But I also believe in the authority of the Bible, God's love letter to us. I believe in the Bible. It's the mind of God revealed in print. I believe the Bible is the divine roadmap and map to direct me from where I'm at to the potential of where I can be. I believe that God's word tells me and speaks to me of my potential. Every one of us in this room, no one has to tell you where you're at or your brokenness or tell you what you've done wrong because we, pretty do, we do a pretty good job of finding that out ourselves, don't we? But if you ever read God's Word, does God's Word always go back and tell you where you were? No, it tells you where you can be because it says there's now, therefore, now no condemnation. God's not going to hold anything about what got you to your here. He wants to speak to you about what can get you from your here to the potential of your there. And I believe the power of God's word is something that we may have lost. Many times we've allowed this book to become something that, if we're not careful, it's just been a bygone era of printed pages that maybe, yes, it's been the, the bestseller that the world has ever known, but it's, it's become more than just a, a, it's a textbook to be really good at Bible trivia, or it's a textbook to have spiritual knowledge. But that's not what this is. This book is living, and it changes lives, and it has the ability to take you from where you are to where God wants you to be but you have to let it become inculcated into your spirit to change you from your here come on I'm telling you today there's going to be some transitioning and some shifting take place in just the next few minutes why it's because the word of God I believe illuminates it illuminates see condemnation tells you that you'll never become any more than what you presently are and that's not what God does. God allows conviction to show you where you are, but then he gives you the potential to show you what you can be. And his word illuminates. In fact, David said it this way, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Notice it didn't say it's an arc beam. It didn't say it's a, it's a lighthouse. It has like, you know, a 3,000 foot throw on it. No, your word is a lamp that when I don't even really know what to do next, your word gives me that next step. It guides my feet. It allows that path that you want to order in my life. It gives me the next step. See, sometimes what we want to do is we want to move into hyper mode and God says, no, I want you to take it one step at a time. I'm going to let my word illuminate you on the next step to make. So the Word of God illuminates. The second thing it does, the Word of God brings increase. It changes your life. It brings increase. In Acts 6 and 7, it says, so God's message, the word there, God's message, is the word logos. And we've used that word an awful lot. It winds up on different t-shirts. It winds up in different phrases. The logos is the content of communication, the representation of God and his mind 
of a specific portion or topic that gives increase. In other words, God's word, God's message continued to spread and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem and many of the Jewish priests were converted. When God's word comes into our lives, I don't believe that God wants me to stay where I am. His word begins to illuminate and begins to give me increase to where I can go. The third thing I believe that the word of God does, it intervenes. It intervenes in our future. Not, not only does it illuminate and, and not only does it just allow there to be that increase, but it intervenes. There's been times in my life that God's word began to give me intervention into the next steps in my life. For example, someone may be here today thinking about co-signing on a loan with somebody. You know the book of Proverbs pretty much tells you don't do that. So many times when, when we're saying, well, I just don't know what to do, do you know that this living word has the ability to speak and to give you intervention into your future? Let's look at a couple of passages in the book of John. And I, and I love John 17 because in that passage, Jesus is having this deep conversation with his father. And he starts talking about the people in the world. And he starts out, in, and in verse 16, he says, They are not of the world just as I'm not of the world. Then he says in verse 17, Sanctify them. The word sanctify, set them apart. Not just temporarily, but Father, sanctify them. Set them apart for your, by your truth because your word is truth. Your word is truth. And then he said in just a few chapters prior, in chapter 8, he said it this way. He said, and you will know the truth, and the truth will do what? It will set you free. So truth has the ability that the things that you feel bound by right now, when you allow truth to begin to intervene into your present, it will propel you into your future because the truth will do what? It will set you free. You don't have to be bound anymore to anything in your life when truth comes into your life. See, but here's the challenge. Truth is more than decrees, doctrines, dogmas, or denominations. Truth is a man who intervened in our brokenness and came to this world, and his name was Jesus Christ, and he said, my truth is what will set you free. In fact, in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. The way is a map called the man Jesus Christ, the embodiment of truth. Amen. Come on, he will intervene into your present circumstance if you'll let him. John 1 and 14, and it says the word became flesh. The word became human. This word, this ability of God speaking, this logos becomes human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Do you see anything that says God was full of condemnation and guilt casting? No, he came and said, I want to intervene. I want my word to be in your life. The second thing that I think that moves us from our here, not just the word of God, but it's the power of us. You and me doing our part. See, many times we said, well, the Bible says this, and God says, yes, I did say that, but you have to act upon what I said. Faith without works is dead and abideth alone. I believe the path to freedom from where you are 
is paved with connections that are both horizontal and vertical. God never meant for any of us in this room to live life by ourselves as zeros, as ciphers, as just, you know, go out there and barefist it by yourself. No, we weren't made that way. Henry Cloud said it this way, relationship or bonding then is at the foundation of God's nature. Since we are created in his likeness, relationship is our most fundamental need. The very foundation of who we are. Without relationship, without attachment to God and others. We can't be our true selves. We can't be truly human. You don't have to stay where you are. But the move is going to take both God and people. We have to realize that for us to go from our here, it will take God and his word, but it may take other people that come alongside of us to do that. In the book of Ephesians in chapter 4, when Paul is writing to this incredible church at Ephesus, which became an, a mega church in the then known world, he makes a statement, he says, now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. Christ did what? He gave some gifts to the church. And he lists five things that are gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We reference that as the fivefold ministry and and at Gateway, we do believe that God still operates in these gifts that he's given to the church. But verse 12, we don't stop at 11 because verse 12 says their responsibility. Who's the there? That's those five groups he just spoke of that are the gifts. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church the body of Christ. I think it's interesting, their responsibility, every pastor on staff here, every one of us that are called by God, we have a responsibility in the original Greek language, the word there is kararismos. And I love this word, the word means the bringing of someone or something to completion. One reference is as it taking an unfinished building and helping to complete it. Part of why we do what we do on a weekly basis and on a daily basis as pastors is in the heart of all of us is how do we help every one of you to come to that place of completion. And the purpose of Gateway Church is to bring all of us to find our purpose and to become whole. Not stuck in a here, but to find out where the here is that God wants for us. You are not so broken, you are not so addicted, you are not so misplaced that you're stuck in your here. Your past does not define what your future looks like. In fact, your past is either an anchor or it's a rudder. Your past is either an anchor to hold you where you used to be or it's a rudder to tell you that you've been there once before and you don't need to go there again. The choice is yours. In our lives, because of sin, and all of us have sinned, we just read that. We lost our state. We lost our status. We lost our station. 
but I believe it can be redeemed and I, can believe, I believe it can be completed and I believe we can become adequate in every aspect of our life. Every single aspect of our life can be restored by God. Because he said their responsibility is to equip God's people. To equip you. We don't have to stay here anymore. One of the things that we're going to be doing as a church is starting up in September. And it's called Gateway Life. And Gateway Life was one of the things that I've been tasked with. And let me just say what Gateway Life is. I know some of you saying, well, we've been waiting for a membership class. Or, and we've been waiting for a path to figure out how to do all of this. Let me just say what Gateway Life is. Gateway Life is going to be an interactive environment to equip you in your journey to find a map that you can live out your fullest potential in Christ. And yes, it is a membership path, but it's so much more than that. And I'm asking you to, as you begin to hear us talk about it throughout the month of August, sign up for it when we started because we want to get you on the journey from where you are to the potential of where God can take you. I want to close with a psalm. And I think this psalm would probably ring close to all of us because it's one of the psalms that was sang by the Jewish people during the Passover. In fact, historians believe that possibly Jesus himself sang this hymn, this psalm, on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane before he was crucified. In fact, in Matthew 26, I don't know if I'd ever seen it before, it says that as he went, he sang hymns. And due to the fact it was the Passover, that Psalm 118 was one of the psalms that was sang by the Jewish people. There's a good chance that Jesus sang this in his hear. I guess my question is, what song would you sing on your way to being crucified? This may have been the one he sang. Push to the wall, I called to God. From the wide open spaces, he answered. God's now at my side and I'm not afraid. Who would dare lay a hand on me? God's my strong champion. I flick off my enemies like flies. Far better to take refuge in God than trust in people. Far better to take refuge in God than trust in celebrities. Hemmed in by barbarians in God's name, I rub their faces in the dirt. Hemmed in and with no way out. Am I speaking to someone here today? Hemmed in. No way out. Like swarming bees, like wild prairie fire, they hemmed me in. I felt my here was going to be my destiny for the rest of my life. I was right on the cliff edge, ready to fall. When God grabbed and held me, God's my strength. He's also my song, and now he's my salvation. Hear the shouts. Hear the triumph songs in the camp of the saved. The hand of God has turned the tide. The hand of God is raised in victory. The hand of God has turned the tide. I believe this morning that before some of you leave here today, you're going to be able to raise your hand as David and said, the hand of God has turned the tide. Fifteen years ago, our world was rocked and our here got changed. 
our family had gone on a fast in the beginning of the year. We have three wonderful kids, two daughters and a son. That middle child is a daughter of ours, and I had been to the Ukraine speaking and doing uh, leadership training in the Ukraine for pastors and was coming back, and my wife said, you know, our, our, daughters, our middle daughter's asked to, um, she wants to talk to us, and I thought, well, that's nothing new. I mean, she's a girl. She talks a lot. And she said, no, this is different. I don't know what it is, but as soon as you get back, and as soon as you get back in the country, we, she wants to do that. And I said, honey, I'll get there as soon as I can. I got in town, and, and she called, and she said, you need, to, you need to get home now. And I remember that phone call because I could hear something in my wife's voice that was telling We had just left New York. We'd lived in New York for 16 years and had moved to Nashville and I was in a very high uh, exposure, a place, a position and a lot was being asked and a lot of eyes watching what our lives would look like. And when I walked in, I found Pamela and our daughter on the couch weeping. And I said, what's going on? And my wife said, she won't, she won't talk to you, get here. She won't tell me. She was 19 years old, and she looked at my wife and I, and she said, I've never told anybody, but she said, when we lived in New York, she said, when I was 13 and 14, one of the men in the church sexually molested me for a long period of time. And our here was changed in a moment. I asked who, and when she told me, I knew where the man lived in New York. I was living in Nashville, but I, in my mind, trust me, there were thoughts that I had and anger that rose up inside of me that I'm not proud of. And there was a side of me that I wanted to do something about it because that's my daughter, and you don't ever touch my kids. You don't steal from my daughter what you took from her. And in a split moment, I almost allowed my present to define my future. And I began to wonder, then, it's not just about me, but what about her? Where, where is she going to go? What's going to happen to her? I mean, she is sitting there in a pool of just of emotion right now. And what is her world going to look like? And what does her future look like? And then my wife and I are looking at each other like, well, what did we do? What did we miss? Where did, where did we go wrong? And, and it could have ruined us. We had a choice about our here. And immediately we got help on many levels. My wife had a prayer team of incredible women that came into our house every single week for almost a year and prayed over our daughter. We had a counselor that I had worked with and she began to meet with our daughter on a consistent basis and walk her through. We got legal counsel to help us on what would be the best thing. How would we protect our daughter? And it could have destroyed her. It could have made her into a position of very much of a bitter young lady that never wanted to ever have anything to do with men, to do with church, to do with ministry. But today, that young lady 
is the mother of two beautiful kids. She has a master's degree in psychology. She worked for Mercy Ministry, which helps girls that have been abused. She and her husband are involved in ministry, and her story has been written and is being shared with other girls that have gone through similar circumstances like our daughter. We didn't have to stay there. Now, did we have the choice? Could I have done something very stupid? Could I have let that define me? Could I have let that define our family? Yes, I could have. But something inside rose up and said, we don't have to stay here. And today I'm speaking to some of you that that divorce has tried to tell you where your here is. Or maybe that loss of someone very dear to you, maybe a child, or, or maybe the closest friend you ever had in your life, it's trying to define you and tell you what your here is. But I'm here today to tell you, you don't have to stay here anymore. God's Word is speaking into your life today. And Gateway is a church that has people in it that we want to come alongside of you and we want God to intervene in your life. And you've got people that as we needed outside, inside help, you may need outside, inside help also. Thanks for joining us on Gateway.Live. For more information about Gateway Church, please visit us at www.gatewaylife.com.